Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. What a delight to be with you. And I want to say how much I appreciate what your pastor just walked you through. You are a blessed church with a man of God, truly a humble man that is leading you. And Pastor Keith, thank you for doing what you just did. That was absolutely beautiful. (laughs) Psalm 116 tells us that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Well, very precious indeed. Pastor Dave is with the Lord, and the Lord is blessing him, and he is indeed in glory. And um, the legacy that he leaves you is a beautiful one. And I love what we just heard, talking about a legacy of compassion. How wonderful that is, that that pastor has brought forth to you, and it continues in leadership now, of loving the sheep. That's important, folks. That's so important. It's not about a show when we come to church every week and how well somebody can speak or teach. or It's how well we can love. And thank God that's the legacy that Pastor Dave has left and that will continue. So I celebrate that with you. Well, I've been serving in missions for uh, over 30 years now. It's hard to believe. I still feel 25 times four. (laughs) And this church has been with us for over 25 years. You've stood with us. And Angie and I thank you from the bottom of our heart. You've helped to plant churches in Spain. You've helped to support missionaries all over Europe and strengthen them. And uh, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. We go into all the world and preach the gospel because Jesus redeemed us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I thought about Pastor Dave when I heard, and I thought, you know, I don't think there could be a better tribute to him than a great missionary message with a missionary service. He would want this to happen today. How many of you would agree? And I believe there's two children that he has has that serves overseas. So this is very apropos. And we dedicate this message to him and to the kingdom. So I want to start by saying... Among our Europe missionary family, we uh, share a verse that is very, very near and dear to my heart. It's found in Mark chapter 8 and verse 35. Mark chapter 8 and verse 35. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Giving ourselves away, giving ourselves away is vital to the truth of the gospel message. And secondly, losing self 
is at the heart of reaching the secular as the secular doctrine is that self is central to everything. America is facing a difficult time right now of secularism. Europe has been there for many, many years. And secularism's main uh, point is that we don't really need God so much because, in essence, we are God. In essence, the self is what is most important. It is a very difficult field to preach in as far as uh, the ministry in Europe because when someone has the attitude of, I have already experienced Christianity, I would say they've experienced Christendom and not Christianity, I've already experienced that and I've already rejected that. So what could you possibly have to tell me? That's much more challenging than to go to someone who has never heard the word and has never been challenged by the gospel and uh, is open to hearing what that might be. Europe and America are in the same place. We are more and more experiencing a secular society where the self is the most important thing. Here, Scripture is telling us that we need to lose ourselves. How many of you want to lose yourself for Jesus this morning? Amen. So what is the starting point, and I want to talk to you about this this morning, to build the church of Jesus Christ in a secular world? How do we do that? The starting point must be to imitate what we have seen and experienced in the person of Jesus Christ. And I want to talk to you about what that means. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 1 through 2. It says this, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as we just heard your pastor share, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, for a sweet-smelling aroma. To be godly. How many of you want to be godly? How many of you have no clue what that means? <laughs> to be godly is to imitate the cross. I love that you have that here. Amen. We do not hear enough messages about the cross. And we're going to talk about that this morning. To imitate the cross is a step toward godliness. Live in love, that verse says, as Christ loved you and gave his life for us. Live in love, it says. That's what it is to be godly. We imitate God by imitating the cross. The love of God that is revealed on the cross is to be the heart of the church. We need to live cross-like lives. Everything in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant points to that symbol, points to what was about to happen in the cross. The death of Jesus Christ. The cross 
is the means, listen carefully, by which we know God's character. And it should therefore be the means by which we share the gospel, we share who Jesus is, and it should be the center of every community of faith that we establish around the world. For the Apostle Paul, the word cross and the word gospel were interchangeable. They meant the same thing to him. The cross, the power of sacrificial love. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, and then verse 23. I'll read all of that. For Christ did not send me to baptize, Paul says, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. But for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Wow! And then verse 23 says this, But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. Folks, it is critical for us to remember that when Paul speaks about the power of God, he is speaking about the power of the cross. We confuse this in our society today, in our sensationalized church meetings of this generation. We confuse what real power is. Today, when we talk about the power of God, we don't even think about the cross. We think about miracles. I love miracles. I hope we have more and more miracles. But that's not where the real power is. We think about His omnipotence and authority and sovereignty and casting out demons or whatever else it might be. The power of God and the wisdom of God is not seen in muscle power or the ability to control everything. But rather God shows His power in and through the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where real power is. He shows His power through self-sacrificial love. He shows his power by standing with the weak. He shows his power by being like Pastor Dave and like Pastor Keith, being men of compassion. He shows his power by standing with the marginalized. He shows his power by being generous. By giving of himself unconditionally, without judgment. Because that's what the cross illustrates. Are you with me? The cross reveals who we are supposed to be and what we are supposed to proclaim. Take great care of the message of the cross. Do not pollute the message of the cross. Keep it pure. 
pure and simple. The one message we should always be sharing is the story of the cross. Only in the crucified Christ do we see the absolute truth of what God is really like. Only in the crucified Christ do we see what God is really like. And when you want to share the message of the gospel, that's what you've got to focus on. You see, people don't know what God looks like and what His character is. That's His character. There are some in the secular world today that have created a narrative that God the Father is a child abuser. Now, with all due respect, I get it. I can see the logic of what someone who doesn't know Christ might think. So the message of the cross to some in this generation can be seen as child abuse. After all, Jesus is the Son of God. I mean, how can a father do such a thing to his son? Isn't it just like evil to misrepresent what the cross is really all about? To portray the father as a child abuser is a complete misunderstanding and misrepresentation of what really took place on the cross. And the enemy is always about misrepresenting what Jesus did. But this is a serious issue. A very serious issue. And I fear that we as the church have not been adequately prepared to really say what the cross is all about. I fear. May the Lord help us. One of the most stunning verses in Scripture is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. God made him, referring to Jesus who had no sin, to become sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What an extraordinary, powerful verse that is. That this holy Son of God, part of the Trinity, listen carefully, becomes the complete Opposite of his nature. It's shocking. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 says it this way. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or on a tree as Jesus was. The ultimate curse of sin for everyone is separation from God. That's the ultimate curse. And this is why Jesus, when he was on the cross, cried out in a loud voice, Matthew 27 and verse 45, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The Holy Son 
of the perfect triune God the Father who had never been separated in any way, not even for a split second, was now being torn away from that embodiment of love and triune relationship. We cannot even begin to fathom what that pain must have been like. The closest thing, of course, that we can try to get a handle on this is the pain that we feel in our own lives. When things happen contrary to our nature, think about this, we experience pain. The more contrary to our nature that things happen, the more pain that we feel. If I cut myself, there's pain. Since it's contrary to how I'm created to cut myself. That's contrary to my healthy nature. And the bigger the wound, the more pain there is. Are you with me? If a child dies while young, before the parent, that is out of natural order. That is extremely painful because that's not natural. The more contrary to our nature that things happen, the more pain we feel. The more unnatural something is, the more intense the pain. Now think of that. With that in mind, Consider the pain that must have been experienced by the one who was in complete essence, perfectly united with the Father, full of love and truth and grace, and became our curse, being ripped away from the Father. The one who by his nature is all holy in every possible way the very embodiment of love suddenly experiences every sin that every person from the beginning of time has ever committed, every atrocity that you can imagine, the things that Hitler did, the, the killing fields all around the world, every disgusting thing that you can imagine in that moment is laid upon the Son of, of God on that cross. There could not have been anything more unnatural to Jesus. And so we must remember that not only, not only, and I hope you hear this, not only was Jesus suffering in that moment as the Son of God, but the entire Trinity was suffering because they have never been separated. And that's unnatural. Are you with me? It was also unnatural to them to be separated from Jesus. The entire Godhead is suffering while Jesus is on the cross. The pain that the Father must have felt in that moment when His Son was crucified, carrying all the guilt of humanity upon Him. And then, 
allowing nightmarish demonic presence itself, whatever that might have looked like, I have no idea, I can't even fathom it, to be thrust on his beloved son and felt by the entire trinity. The fact is, the fact is, oh Jesus, thank you, the fact is, the Trinity could not have gone to a further extreme than they went through in order to redeem us, in order to save us. Glory to God! I'm getting all worked up up here. It helps us to understand what God went through so that you and I can be sitting here worshiping Him so that Pastor Dave can enter glory forever and ever and ever and celebrate Jesus. It's incredible what the Trinity went through and what Jesus went through. Now ever since the fourth century, the church has been confusing the power of the cross with all kinds of other stuff. Their ideas of the power often got mixed with things like politics. Does this ring true to you? Or someone's end-time conspiracies and all kinds of other junk. Please do not think you are modeling Christ and the cross by arguing this stuff and giving your time and energy to it. Ouch. We need to keep the message of the cross pure. We need to preach the cross, breathe the cross, believe the cross, the cross, the cross, the cross. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I'm not going to know anything else. And how much time and energy do we spend in these other nonsensical things? Who cares? That's what matters. That's what matters. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. For it pleased the Father that in Him, Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. All things, oh Jesus help us, all things are reconciled in the cross. It is the center of everything. It is that which brings peace. Conflict. Conflict happens because something is out of order. Something is misaligned. Something is not where it's supposed to be. That's when conflict happens. And if I truly believe that Christ reconciles all things, and if I know I am infinitely loved through the cross, then it brings peace and loving power against the bondages of my life. And I give Him glory for that. It casts out all fear. All things have been reconciled through the cross. The cross is the solution to everything that matters. 
The cross heals our wounds. It heals our pain. It heals our emptiness. It frees us from our bondage. It vanquishes our sins and our shame. Our healing and our salvation are in the cross of Jesus Christ. Our liberation and our joy are found in the cross. Our identity, our salvation is in the cross. Our righteousness, our revelation is found in the cross. Our church needs to be founded on the cross of Jesus Christ. It is the cross by which we walk the journey we walk. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ is to be, as we read right in the beginning, imitators of Jesus. Imitators of Jesus and his self-sacrificing person as expressed upon the cross. That is the message that needs to go all around the world. That is the message your neighbors need to hear. That on that cross, he self-sacrificed himself. And we need to be imitators of that. This is not nearly as fun as a healing service. I think that's kind of the point. Because this is more important. I pray every one of you would be healed if you're sick. I do. I pray that I believe that. And that's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. But that's not even close to the power that we find in the message of the cross. Because we're going to die. We're going to get sick again. I don't have this scripture. So my brother or sister who's helping me with the slides, hang on here for one second. I'm going to throw Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Listen to this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Pastor Dave is in that cloud right now, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How do we know where that race is? Well, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. <laughs> Jesus is our pioneer in the work. The crucified Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. The race that we are to run is the race that he ran. We are told we will suffer. And we don't like that message. We have to crucify our fallen nature. But this is the way that leads to glory. This is what it is to be a disciple. This is what it means when you gather together. This is what it means when you live for Jesus. This is what it is to be the church. So when we talk about the mission and planting and establishing the church. Let's get right thinking on what this really means. Once again, Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. Again, imitate God. Imitate God. Live in love as Christ loved us and gave his life for us. And you know, there's no off button to that. If you're still breathing, you're supposed to love. Doesn't matter what the person next to you looks like. You're supposed to love. 
And you know what? We as Christians are never to judge the world. Never. That's not our job. That means it doesn't matter what kind of lifestyles such and such person has. You are not to correct that. That is not your call. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in His good time. Your call, your job description is very clear. Reconcile everything and love all. That's what it's all about. Not judge them. Oh boy, I'm getting in trouble here. Love others as God has loved you. Listen, as He served the fallen world by sacrificing Himself so are we to serve the fallen world by sacrificing ourselves. Love always looks like the cross. Well, you say, what do you mean, love everyone? That's so cliche. It wasn't cliche to Jesus. And it wasn't cliche to the early church. Thank God. Love like the cross. Self-sacrificing. Giving yourself to others. Giving your time. Giving your energy. Being extremely generous. Generosity. Let's talk about it because you want to. I know you do. Generosity is so apropos for this week that you are focusing on the world right now. Generosity looks like the cross. There was nothing more generous than Jesus on the cross. Are you with me? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 23. I'm almost done. Are you all okay? You promise? I don't really care. <laughs> Jesus says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moths and vermin destroy. And where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. But we often stop there and we really forget the essence of this whole context here. He goes on to say, The eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What does eyes and light have to do with storing your treasures in heaven? Everything. Because in Jesus' culture, good eyes were a sign of being generous. You see, if you have good eyes, you are seeing things that you should invest in that are valuable to the kingdom. You have good eyes, so you are generous to your culture. And by having good eyes and being generous, you are storing treasures in heaven. And if you have bad eyes, you don't see those things. You don't care about those things. And all the stuff that you do here has such little meaning. You do for yourself. It has such little meaning when it's introspective. Are you with me? So in Jesus' culture, good eyes were a sign of being generous because you're seeing things well. You're seeing things that matter. There's something about the very action of being generous that fills you with God's love, His light, His truth, His kindness, gives you purpose. 
That's what good eyes do. Amen? The act of generosity increases the light and godly meaning for your life. To be generous is to be cross-like. According to this verse, to these verses, the only dollar, as Dr. Boyd said, the only dollar that you'll be able to take with you when you die is the dollar you gave away while you were alive. I'm glad one person feels good about that. <laughs> because the deposits we make in heaven for eternity are generated from cross-like acts of compassion, generosity, and love that we invest in now. Doesn't that make sense to you? Generosity is to send the good news, to send the gospel, the message of a self-sacrificing creator God who incarnated himself so that everything that you and I go through in life, he would fully understand. And we can identify with him because he experienced it like we experienced it. There is no other help as wonderful as the help from someone who understands my pain. Right? Jesus felt it. Jesus suffered. Jesus died. Jesus was buried, but the difference was on the third day, he rose again. He defeated all those things, which gives us all hope and all assurance. Wow. God is indeed good. That's the gospel right there. That's the gospel. That's the message. That's what you're sending. In church history, we know that everything got all messed up when suddenly the church was given power happened in Europe, probably back around the 4th century with Constantine, when all of a sudden we started to think that God suffered for us so that we no longer have to suffer and serve like he did. You see, we, we got into that political realm of things and all of a sudden we had this power. We can kill our enemies instead of loving them because they reject our ideas. We can force them to do things in Jesus' name because we have the power in Jesus and we're right. And we know what we're talking about. We can force them to do things because all of a sudden, we've been blessed. And suddenly, everything is just the opposite of what Jesus died for and what the cross represented. No wonder. No wonder. The growing secular world thinks the father was a child abuser and they've rejected Christianity. No wonder! The church started looking like an institution demanding of people to be legalistically doing certain things instead of modeling the self-sacrificing humility found in the life lived in the image of the cross. And so it is today. To what degree... Does the church look like the crucified Jesus on the cross, willing to die and give itself to an undeserving, hostile world? Are we known for our humility and our generosity, our kindness, our mercy, our peace, our long-suffering? Do you know that the Assemblies of God, when it was first created, was pacifistic? Most people don't even know that. We can't even have that conversation today. 
And I'm not going to go there either. I'll get in all kinds of trouble. Are we building an authentic church? And how do you measure that? Well, are we imitating Christ dying on the cross for the people who he has called us to serve? That's it, bottom line. If we do, then I guess we're establishing the church. Jesus tells us quite clearly, if you want true joy and peace, die to yourself. Die to yourself and live for me. Lose yourself. The cross defines everything for our lives and ministry, and especially it informs us of what kind of church we should build and with what kind of message. So here's my closing challenge to all of you today. Four questions. Number one, how are you bleeding? Number two, how much of yourself is given away? Number three, how do you imitate the crucified Christ? And number four, are your eyes good? You see, it's not good enough to have right beliefs and then do nothing to look like the crucified Jesus to those around us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. On the crucified Jesus. Spend so much time with him so that we can be better imitators of what it means for us now to self-sacrifice ourselves as he did on the cross. Would you stand with me? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now. I am happy all the day. Father God, precious Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice given freely on the cross. Thank you for our salvation that is found in your self-sacrifice. Thank you for redemption and reconciliation that we have because of what you've done. But today, all around the world, there's a manipulated and confused message. And in some places, there's no message at all. Jesus, would you help us here at Victory to be a church that sends the right message? To be a church that has good eyes and that sends truly the message of the cross and looks like Jesus. And I pray for everyone individually here. Whatever you're going through in your life, whatever you've been struggling with, may you be reconciled. And may there be revelation in your mind 
recognize that he bore every pain that you feel on that cross for you and that there is hope so now Jesus we offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices holy and acceptable to you for your glory and for your honor we dedicate our lives to you let us lift our hands and let us praise the Lord with all our heart and thank him and ask him to help us be true imitators of this gospel as we send it into all the world. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.